Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Lords of Limited. My name is Ben Warney, and joining me on the line is Ethan Sachs. Ethan, I think for the first time ever in the history of the podcast, I am not recording from the comfort of my own abode. I know. I've been, I've recorded from multiple different states while uh, you've just been hunkered down, and this week is different. But, you know, like uh, like the Postal Service, neither rain nor sleet or whatever, we're, you're not going to be stopped from recording the podcast just from a little internet outage, Ben. Yeah, this is rough. My internet is out at my apartment went out yesterday on saturday tech isn't coming till monday there's supposed to be a blizzard on monday so i am so i am really worried that i'm going to be internetless for an entire week but uh right now my worlds are colliding and i am recording at greenwood high school and bumming off the school's internet so let's get going but also you you invested in the podcast a little bit more right you uh you got unlimited data so you could use your phone as a hotspot to play MTGO like a fiend? I did. So I think this shows the uh, true levels of addiction. I got home and my internet was out and I was like really looking forward to streaming. And I was like, oh, what am I going to do with myself? I don't have anything to do. So yeah, was seriously considering getting a hotel room at one point so that I could have internet. And then you were like, why don't you just use your phone? And I only have one gigabyte of data. So I sprung for unlimited data and fired up MTGO with my phone's hotspot and uh, jammed some seals last night. These are the sacrifices we make for you fine listeners out there. Yeah, we are not going to be stopped here from bringing you all this sweet sealed content because, Ben, there was an insane announcement that came out this week from Watsi. Boom. Limited Arena Open. Let's go. Yeah, super, super pumped. Uh, had a lot of people dropping uh, Twitter messages at us, uh, messages in Discord. As soon as this announcement came out, like, are you guys going to be doing a sealed episode? And yes, we are. So we just immediately switched to jamming draft to jamming sealed. Um, so we can bring you as much up to date information to get you ready for the open to win that $2,000 on Sunday. Let's go. All right. So we'll get a, a few housekeeping things out of the way. We'll talk about this announcement and then we'll dive into a bunch of thoughts about sealed in Kaldheim. So first things first, let's talk about that Patreon page. Patreon.com slash Lords of Limited is where you can go to give back to the show. If you so choose, of course, the show is always, always, always going to be free. But we got a lot of perks over there. A lot of people trying to get in on the Discord. That's what everyone gets access to um, if you sign up on the Patreon page. And we are dangerously, dangerously dollars away mere dollars away from our next stretch goal, Ben, of getting a bonus episode out there each and every month, free of charge to patrons, super pumped slash very nervous about that, um, but very, very excited to get that out into the hands of all of our listeners. Um, and of course, each and every week, we're going to be welcoming our new patrons to the fold. So this week, we are welcoming Chris J, William, Chris H, Sergio, Mikhail, Phil, Michael, Kai, Josh, Jacob, Nick, Seth, Jordan, Ben, Adam, Gregory, and Dylan, thank you, thank you, thank you. We really appreciate your support. Cannot say thank you enough. Did we get an update on if Ethan's last initial was was <laughs> S last I, week? I forgot to check. Yeah, that was sort of like, that was just the craziest intersection of the universe happening last week. I was just thinking, too, while you read through those names, there's me, Nick, Adam. Nick and Adam are two of my brothers. Oh, wow. The Patreon is on spook alert. That's right. Show is also brought to you in part now by Channel Fireball, channelfireball.com. Best place to go for anything you need magic related. There's a lot of sweet stuff happening over at Channel Fireball. Top of the list is box breaks for call time and older sets. So no matter what you're interested in, you can sign up for a box break. That's where you purchase part of a box and then you randomly get a sign, you know, like white, blue, red. I think some of them you can actually specify what color you want. Hmm. Um, and mine recently kicked off and I have a video waiting for me to see what what happened in my box break and i'm looking forward to once i get my internet back actually checking that out on stream with switch chat yeah i mean i think you just want black right you want to get that sweet sweet valky life that, that card's like 50 bucks or something sign me up yeah amen 
<laughs> yeah, I got mine. I was on green. I'm still, I'm like halfway through my video. I'm trying to see how many sweet, sweet foreign clexes I can get my hands on. Yeah, that'll be nice. In addition to the box break, CFB Pro, you can sign up for $4.99 a month or $9.99. And if you do that, you get $10 back in store credit. So it's essentially free. You, me, Alex, we're all putting out great limited articles. I'm planning to write mine on sealed to get a little bit deeper of a dive than what we're going to do here on the podcast on the CFB Pro end of things. So if any and all of that is of interest to you, head on over to Channel Fireball. And when you check out over there for anything, please use code LOL when you check out there, all caps to let them know that we sent you over there. You and I also recently appeared on Scrimey River this past week, yeah? Yeah, that was super, super fun to be on the podcast with Riley and Dennis. A, a totally different vibe than what we do over here at Lords Limited, but super fun. I felt very out of my element. You <laughs> and Riley and Dennis were all just snapping off the one-liners, and I was just felt lumbering along, but it was a blast to be on Scrimey River. You don't know what that is? It's a quote MTG advice podcast, um, but pretty much just Dennis and Riley hanging out and making fun of each other and talking nonsense uh, once a week. And it is a blast. It's my new favorite podcast. So uh, thrilled to be a guest on that. And you can check that out over at Scrimea River. Yeah. All right. Well, let's first talk about this announcement for folks who don't know. So uh, next weekend, that's going to be February 20th and 21st. We have the first ever limited arena open. So this is a two-day tournament. Um, we'll have a link here in our show notes about uh, about this tournament. But it's a two-day event, um, and it's going to be sealed both days. Day one, you can play either best of one or best of three. Day two, it's all best of three. Um, and it costs 22,500 gold or 4,500 gems to enter. And you can enter as many times as you want until you get that, that max win. So either getting two, seven wins if you're in best of one or two, four wins in best of three. Now it says right now, and we're, we're hoping this is a typo here, but it says right now, so basically it's best of one is how we're used to it, right? Get to seven wins, great. If not, uh, you get to three losses, right? You have two losses to give before you're out and you have to re-enter um, for day one. And best of three, it looks like you can give no losses. So you get to four wins, but if you give one loss, then that means you're out. Right, so that might be a typo though, because in the actual best of three queues, you can give one win and still get to four wins. It seems like four one is much more reasonable than four oh if you're mm -hmm. allowed two losses in best of one. Right. So we'll see. Uh, so th with the current setup, I'm planning to do best of one on day one, just because I feel like going 7-2 or 7-1 is easier than 4-0. Um, but if it is 4-1, or if it, I'm sorry, if you can give one loss in the best of three day one queue, then I'll, I'll definitely be switching over to that. Yeah, that would be my plan as well. And then if you qualify for day two, it's best of three sealed. And it's again, uh, it's, a, it's a slog. You're trying to get to max seven wins or two losses. So that means you can you can give one loss on day two, but then two losses and you're out. And your maximum prizes, if you get to seven wins, is 2,000 US dollar dues. Boom, baby. Yeah, so six wins gets you a uh, thousand bucks, seven wins gets you two thousand bucks, and then there's a bunch of gem payouts for five wins or less there. So really, really sweet. And then also the the Mythic Championship qualifier in March is called Heim Sealed as well. So we've got some some high stakes limited events happening on Arena Ben. Can, can you believe it? Like a year ago, we had bot drafts and now we have this. Yeah, it's crazy exciting to be having high stakes limited tournaments and worth noting, too, that you can have unlimited rebuys on the first day. So maybe set mm -hmm. yourself a limit on the number of entries <laughs> based on your budget. It's, it's a little dangerous territory there. And then day two is going to be awesome. It's going to feel like, I don't know, probably day two of a GP, or I guess you're drafting on day two of a GP, just a super high stakes sealed event, probably more high stakes than day one of a GP. 
Yeah, more high stakes, but but a very similar structure, right? Day one of a GP is nine rounds, right? It is it is that potential to to go nine zero. Now, and I mean that's not what you're doing here, right? Because it's seven wins or two losses. Um, but it, it is going to be a slog, I think, to for the folks who are are getting to five wins, six wins, seven wins on day two. Yeah, from bot drafts a year ago to here is fantastic. Yeah, so that's the exciting announcement, and that's why we are bringing you. Our first sealed episode in, I think, since Theris Beyond Death, when we were prepping for GP New Jersey, our, our first sealed episode since then, because we haven't had an occasion to play sealed since then. Um, but I'm very excited that we do now, and we're going to bring this back. And so we're diving into Kaldheim Sealed, Ben. Bringing back the limited in Lords of Limited. That's right. Yeah, not just the Dukes of Draft here. Okay, so <laughs> <laughs> I have sort of been using this term, like the, the sealed spectrum, which is this idea that you want to be on one of two ends of things in Kaldheim Sealed and not in between. You know, Ben, you came up with this phrase. I don't know when you coined this phrase initially, this DBM, don't be mid-range. But that feels very, very true to me about Sealed Kaldheim. I agree 100%. And worth noting that you and I have pretty much tested separately and not talked a lot prior to recording this episode, and I think have come to a lot of similar conclusions. But I definitely agree. The pools feel split into actually the good pools, I should say, <laughs> you'll split into either you have an aggro deck that is probably white, like you can generally, in my experience, look at your white and see, yes, white is playable, and I have an aggro deck possibility there, or no, white is largely unplayable, or there are like a couple good white cards that I want to splash. But white is pretty easy to categorize right off the bat. And the other pools, if you don't have an aggro deck, you usually end up being base green, some sort of you know, multicolor snow deck if you were fortunate enough to open snow duels and fixing. And then if you don't open one of those two pools and you have to be mid-range, it's pretty tough. Yeah, my first two pools, I think I sort of struggled with this a little bit. Those were where I, I had like multiple builds or I played a couple games with one deck and I was like, ah, this isn't really feeling right to me. I'm going to go back and retool. And those were when I, I think I either thought I had a good enough late game value deck, but it was actually just bad mid-range and I should have built aggro. Or I thought I had an aggro deck, but it just wasn't quite aggressive enough and it was oops mid-range and I should have built like the greediest value pile I could. Right. And I think that's something to caution folks. And we'll get into this in the episode a little bit more, but you really need your aggro deck to look like a draft aggro deck for it to be viable and sealed. Like four two drops is just not going to cut it as an aggro deck and sealed. You need to look like a good aggro draft deck. Well, and so this is a product of how strong a lot of the rares are. How like, I don't know, I don't know what the number is, but half of them are just like, you know, must deal with threats or they warp the the state of the game or they're like huge swings or there's a ton of these sweepers. You know, when we did our, our team draft prep and we went through all the rares, there were many rares that we were like, you just can't pass this to the other team. And those can be categorized for sealed as like, you really should try and play this if you possibly can. And so that's backed up by your your opportunity to open these dual lands at common. Shimmer Drift Veil exists. There's Replicating Ring. Like there's a lot of fixing available. So that's why why these multicolor greed value piles are so viable. And that's why you should be looking to build that most of the time, I think, because of the power level of your rares. Now, if you don't open powerful rares and you can do that, uh, then you're going to want to look for like, what's the cheesiest aggro deck I can build? And that's going to, as Ben said, be usually base white, though I have seen them be uh, base red as well. I've, I've had a red green aggro deck when like the best rare I had was Toski, you know, like, and that that card actually doesn't, it's not really what you want in an aggro deck. A four mana one one isn't the thing. But anyway, like that, that is viable as well. But I, I, I think most of the time the rares 
are going to be the things you want to latch on to. I agree 100%. So, you know, we've got some examples here in the show notes of some red, white aggro decks that I've had on my arena uh, best of one runs. I've also got a couple uh, control decks like an Esper control that had, you know, Doomscar and Turgrid Shadow. I think sweepers are a big deal here uh, in moving you towards, you know, white or black um, four color Kaya. Kaya is another card that I would you know, really not want to leave on the sidelines in my sealed pool. But the process for building sealed pools in this format has felt the same to me as as often. So maybe we want to just give folks our general approach to uh, sealed pools being opened, and especially with opening them on Arena where it's not the best sealed pool build interface. Right. So the first thing you want to do, which Arena does for you when you build your pool, is check your rares. So you open those six packs and it's going to flash up the six rares that you open from your packs. You're going to see right off the the bat whether or not you know you hit the jackpot uh the next thing you probably want to do is i mean you can just sort of scroll through each color right it sorts them by wooberg so you can scroll through and get a sense but it might be best for you to scroll all the way to the right to see the multicolored cards so check your uncommon sign posts like what are the things that might pull you into a certain color pair or be incentives to splash did you get a binding the old gods or some other sagas or or an egar for blue red that sort of thing yeah and this next point i almost might do ahead of the uncommon sign boasts in call time because there's so much of it. Mm-hmm. So checking your snow lands, I think when you open your pool, you're immediately hoping to not see snow planes, right? Like if you see two snow planes, that's pretty <laughs> disheartening. Yeah. And I think just in general, you're hoping to see snow duels instead of snow basics, right? The mm-hmm. the difference between pools that have, you know, five snow duels versus two is pretty large in my experience when you're opening pools. And again, that's largely out of your control, but just worth noting that you should be hoping to open snow duels and then the next thing you want to be checking out and this sort of goes along with those uncommon signposts but the spell lands the uncommon cycle of spell lands that are two colored those are very 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 good in sealed much better than they are in draft i think and you should be working to include as many of them as humanly possible i think without you know ruining your mana base right and then most importantly here is mana fixing there is a lot of mana fixing and it's really good and you really 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 want to open it so things like you know horizon seeker you know certainly not great in draft fine but i think in sealed a very good card that's the 2g 3-2 that has boast for one and a green and lets you search up a basic and put it into your hand you know two horizon seekers is a reason to try to build a multicolor brew and i think they're good enough that you can sort of count them the same way you would count Glittering Frost, for example. And I that wasn't apparent to me initially, but I have come up on Horizon Seeker a lot. And then so you're looking for your Glittering Frost that can enchant a land, turn it into a snow land, tap for any color mana. You're looking for Replicating Ring. You're looking for Svela. You're looking for all of those different ways to search up basics like Path to the World Tree or Spirit of the Alder Guard. You know, identifying those things. And if you get, you know, two or three of those, I would pretty much be locking in multicolor good stuff assuming you have other good cards to support them right that's sort of the the key is you need both parts you need the cards that are powerful enough to warrant doing the multicolor greed pile and then you need the enablers so i think it's why green based value decks are probably the best decks in sealed and then you know that's the other end of the spectrum is these red or white based aggro decks um when you're building these multicolor greed piles i've had a lot of folks you know when i'm building these decks on stream, feeling intimidated by the mana bases, you really want to make sure you're thinking of the deck 
as a base to color deck. So your green, blue, splashing red, white, and black. Your green, black, splashing red, white, and blue, right? Whatever that is, but whatever those base two colors are and making sure you have eight-ish, seven at a minimum sources for those uh, base two colors. And especially if you're relying on green for a lot of the fixing that Ben mentioned, the Glittering Frost, the Horizon Seeker, the Path to the World Tree, then you want to make sure you're bumping up green a little bit because you know, you're know you trying to enable green mana for those splashes so that then you can count Glittering Frost and Path and Seeker as one of every other color, that sort of thing. Right. And I think you know once you've checked all of that stuff, you're, you're going next into individual colors, right? And you're looking at white. And generally for me, white has been easy to dismiss for the most part, unless yes. I was looking to build an aggro deck. And then, you know, the, each of those four remaining colors, you're seeing which are the deepest and which as a result of being the deepest and, you know, have the most good cards to pull you in are going to end up being your base two colors. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, just as far as general sealed advice, you know, after you've done all of this stuff, you've checked your rares, you've checked your uncommons, you've checked the fixing that's available to you. For call time, my priority would be, do I have the incentives and the fixing to build a multicolor control deck? If yes, that would be my first go-to. If the answer to that question is no, then I'd be shifting, you know, it's like a little wordy flow chart here. If, if no, <laughs> yeah. um, then I'm trying to build an aggro deck. Do I have the curve and the creatures and the equipment to build an aggro deck? And if the answer to that's yes, then my next stop would be building a good aggro deck. And I think if I don't feel like I have the tools to either, you know, build a multicolor good stuff deck or an aggressive deck, then I'm looking at what's the best two color deck I can come up with. Right. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you want to just just build the best deck that your six packs can provide you. And hopefully it's on one of the two ends of the spectrum. If not, obviously, you're going to have to build a mid-range deck and the mid-range deck can beat the aggro decks. But as you progress in a tournament or, uh, you know, with your wins or whatever, you're going to start facing those multicolor greed value pile decks and mid-range decks just fold to those decks most of the time. But I will say, you know, if you're building that Uber to borrow from limited resources, yeah, the yeah. Uber endgame ramp deck or whatever, and you're you're going full greed, you have to put defensive speed in your deck because yeah. there are some darn good aggro decks running around as well. Yeah, yeah, you know, we're not saying you have you can like ignore your curve or do nothing until turn four, that that type of deal. That's definitely not how these best decks are gonna function. All right. So just diving into some some called heim specifics here, what's changing in sealed? So um, some some color shifts are happening. Uh, like I said, I think green is probably the best color in sealed, or like the color that I think is the base of the, the best decks out there. And then in terms of some some color shifts elsewhere, I think blue takes the biggest hit of the colors from draft to sealed. It's definitely still playable, but it doesn't provide removal or, or good removal, right? Like I'm not excited about buying the monster or mists of lit yara um or raven form even uh i think like because two for ones feels so 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 important to me you know raven form yeah it gets it deals with stuff and i'm happy to side it in if i see one of those like you know god equipment creatures um and i need to deal with an artifact or whatever but just recognize that a a one one flyer is still a real thing it's like half a card two-thirds of a card or whatever yes i was initially a little higher on raven form and sealed and i've since course corrected and come down on it. But I do think, you know, there are still, we're not saying blue is unplayable by no, any no, stretch. No. There are still some good cards in blue. You know, Behold the Multiverse is insane. And even if your blue's not deep, you should actively be looking to splash Behold yes. the Multiverse. Same thing for Glimpse. You know, Dig Through Time is 
insane. You know, if you've got changelings to enable it, you know, even if you don't have the actual giants. So be on the lookout for those. Bergstrider is great if you're playing your snowlands. I think one of the things, you know, you said this before we started recording, but blue feels dependent on being able to play the snow snow stuff, the snow lands that you opened and getting a replicating ring or getting a glittering frost, that type of thing. Right. Blue's best things beyond the the raw card advantage from Behold and Glimpse are Bergstrider, Icebind Pillar, and Avalanche Caller, I think. And all of those are dependent on you being able to enable them enough with your snow mana. And that's just sort of a luck of the draw type deal. And obviously Mistwalker and Augury Raven are just good evasive threats, but they are by no means things that incentivize me to play blue when I'm looking at my sealed pool. Right. I will say Icebind Pillar has been absolutely absurd in sealed. Yes, I I really, really agree. I mean, and, and this is sort of, it leads to why I think, well, Masked Vandal is insane, but also why we're proponents, I think, of main decking Broken Wings and Invoke the Divine. Yep. Um, the other shift I've seen is that black gets a whole lot better in Sealed. It's one of the best colors in Sealed. It's been, I've often been base green, black, and then, you know, splashing uh, other powerful things. You know, Feed the Serpent, uh, Turgid Shadow, Poison the Cup. So you just get like like the rock solid removal, Turgid Shadow as sort of like a, a mini sweeper or wrath adjacent effect that you get at Uncommon is great. You get all the, the two for ones with Skull Raid and Elder Fang Disciple, even Draugr Recruiter as the four mana three three with the boast four mana to rebuy a creature. Like any of those like boasty creatures that threaten two for ones like Tuscary Firewalker or Horizon Seeker, like you're just looking for two for ones all over the place. And black just gets a whole lot better in sealed. Right. All those removal spells that feel a little clunky in draft are just insanely good in sealed. And feed exiling is also very relevant in sealed. Can we can we check in here just just real quick on black and Kaldheim in general? Because there's a lot of talk out there. I think perhaps leading the charge are Ryan Sachs and Alex Nikolic about black just like not being good in Kaldheim Limited. And that has not been my experience. That's not been my experience particularly either. I think it's tied with white as the two weakest colors, but they're both very playable. I've come up on white quite a bit since, mm-hmm. you know, drafting a lot more red-white aggro, figuring out gold vein pick. You know, we talked about that last week and I, I hadn't played with it a ton and I've played with it more. I'm a believer in the card now and I'm, I'm a believer in aggro in the format. Um, so white has come up for me and I, I agree. I don't think black's insane, but I certainly don't think it's unplayable. Okay. All right. Well, that's uh, that's interesting to see how that's starting to shake out here a few weeks deep. We've talked a lot about two for ones already, but just want to hammer that point home. Anything that provides value is very, very important in Kaldheim Sealed. So even dipping into, you know, past good cards like Skull Raid and Turgrid Shadow to Scary Firewalker as the two and a red three two that can, you know, boast exile a card that you can play that turn. Horizon Seeker boasting and getting you lands, that sort of thing. All really, really adds up over the course of a game of Sealed. I found them the games to play out as pretty grindy attrition based but also with some sort of an element of tempo to them right like while you're accruing that advantage there comes a point where one person pulls ahead enough that they can just kind of slam the door closed you know whether it's you know having foretold a couple cards and then having a big turn where they triple spell with foretold cards or whatever but there is an element of tempo to them as well so speaking of have you been choosing player draw uh i have been mostly playing best of one and so you don't get to choose like it just happens for you the the few best of three uh cues that i did i chose to play i i don't think you can choose to draw in sealed that just seems like a mistake to me right i've been choosing to play in the dark but then once i know it's a grindy matchup i have been choosing to draw right and that's something to think about like play draw does matter a lot especially in terms of how you're going to sideboard um 
So if you know you're going to be on the draw or the play, then you may be more or less incentivized to swap decks to go like, well, if I'm going to be on the play and I know my opponent has a good late game deck as well, maybe I just try and cheese him out with my aggro deck in game two or in game three because I'm, I know I'm going to be on the play. So that thinking about that should influence your decisions when you're figuring out what to do post board. Right. And so we should just take a second, I think, to talk about that with regard to the arena yeah. deck building interface. So on MTGO, you can save multiple decks or, you know, at a GP, you can have another deck sleeved up. That's not going to be the case on arena. So if you feel like you're pool supports multiple builds and i think you know default would be trying to build the most aggressive thing you can and the most controlling thing you can you should build all of those decks assuming you have time you have, it's an unlimited time deck builder right because the event's asynchronous i think so yeah yeah it seems like it would be true to me we didn't really talk about that when we were uh, going through the event but you, theoretically you can play this at your leisure over the course of the day generally they encourage you to start earlier so that you can always be guaranteed to find a match but you should screenshot multiple decks and i would even go so far as to you know maybe join a best of three sealed and practice deck swapping so that the first time you're not trying to swap decks on the arena sealed interface is that day of the sealed open and when you're playing best of three for the first time it's more awkward than you would think so just having those screenshots up and knowing exactly what you want to do yeah it's really clunky and you only have like whatever two minutes two minutes and change to do so like i did that in a few of my best of threes just like oops i gotta switch to my red black aggro deck and just like clicking out every single card for my pool and then finding the other deck and then also adding the lands it's it's tough even for someone like me who like is playing arena whatever six hours a day (laughs) one last point about the two for ones that we were talking about or just like how much value you should be aware of trying to cram into your deck you want to make sure that you're making up for the sort of do nothing cards that you're playing that fix your mana like glittering frost or replicating ring because like you know you're often gonna have a lot of mana sources in these decks i found myself in these greed piles to be playing 18 lands a lot of the time in addition to my cards in my deck that also are dedicated to mana like path or frost or ring just because I need sources or I'm trying to play on my snow lands or I'm trying to play a couple spell lands, like whatever that is, I have a lot of mana sources in the deck. And so then you need stuff that is just like raw card advantage or maybe even just a pilfering hawk to like rummage through your deck so that you don't flood out. Right. I found the filtering to be very important. Pilfering hawk, seize the spoils, any of that type of stuff you want to include in the multicolored pile decks. Yeah, seize the spoils also like that's just such a such a house and sealed when you're base red control. In addition to two for ones, you also want to be really aware of playing cards that are going to get outclassed quickly. And this is, you know, I think not in the aggro deck vein, because in aggro, you're going to be trying to play a critical mass of those cards to overwhelm your opponent. But in the mid range or certainly in the control end of things, you want your stuff to have value in the late game. So things like Immersturm Raider, you know, the one in a red two one that lets you rummage. Maybe you're okay with that because it gets you the rummage. But a two one is generally going to be irrelevant in a game of sealed, especially in any kind of a mid range or control matchup. You know, something like Jasper Sentinel, the the green one, two with reach that can tap to add a man of any color when you tap another creature. That's not worth a card generally, despite my espousing <laughs> of it being Mox Diamond. Certainly in Sealed, that's definitely not true. Something like Death Knell Berserker, the one in a black two, two or any of the like two, two with upside type cards. Right. Just go down a bit in Sealed. Right. The, just because the more you put those index that are 
quote unquote controlling, the the more dangerous you get to that mid-range territory when you're like, oh yeah, but maybe I just have like these cards as like defensive speed. But then like you you want your two drops to matter when you top deck them, if at all possible. And stuff like Raider. I mean, Raider actually, it maybe matters because it can rummage you. But, you know, generally, I think these things that are going to get outclassed or don't matter in the mid to late game are cards you want to be aware of not including. Right. The bar for what is worth a card in sealed is a lot higher than it is in draft because you you generally have less focused synergy. So assuming Death Knell Berserker is not in, you know, a black aggressive deck that has equipment to pump it and turn it into a 3-3 or whatever, if you're just putting that in your deck for some defensive speed, like how often is that going to be worth a card in your game? And the answer is not very. Right. I, I will say on, I don't know where this falls in the spectrum thing, but keyword big is a very real way to win. And maybe this is just a third kind of deck to look for, but like Grizzled Outrider, Lindworm, Cinderheart Giant, all these like five, five, six, six bodies feel really tough to deal with. I have experienced that as well. Lindworm is a house in sealed. Yeah, it really, really is. I mean, that that feels like, I mean, not that that's good enough for your incentive to play like base green control, but just be aware that like if you just see that and that may be your best game plan, try and support that as best you can. And I think that will be a, a good strategy as well. One of the things I've encountered, and I'm sure you have as well, the uncommon living weapons are incredible in sealed. And it's also probably making me believe that I've been undervaluing them in draft as well. Like I saw Ari Lax at the beginning of the format in the Lords of Limited Discord. He was espousing the Dwarven Hammer as the best red uncommon. And I was like, nah, that's crazy. You know, the Basalt <laughs> Ravager or whatever. I thought that to myself in my head. And I think he's probably right now just after playing more with Dwarven Hammer. That card is nuts. And I think in sealed, that effect that those uncommon equipment have on the course of a game is just more pronounced because the games go longer. So all of a sudden, you know, then, you know, if you have Drowder's Helm, which is the black one that gives plus two, plus two in Menace for equip four, your Death Knell Berserker that you were forced to include for defensive speed or whatever becomes a real threat when you put Drowder's Helm on it and you're going to have time to put Drowder's Helm on your cards in a game of sealed. Exactly. That's what I mean. It just turns everything you have into a bigger threat and it's a mana sink for you in the late game. That's it's so, so strong. I agree. I think all of them are great. Even the white one has just like blown me out. Like just because things go late and then my opponent drops this six, five flying vigilance. And then every other creature is larger for the rest of the game as well. Exactly. Yeah, they're, yeah. they're all incredible. And I think just equipment in general as well at Raven's Wings is very good. I think, you know, especially if you don't get any of that uncommon living weapon equipment, I would be careful of noting what your creature count is if you're yes. going to play raven's wings like certainly not in a 10 creature deck and there are a lot of 10 creature decks in call time sealed but if you're up in the normal 15 16 creature range raven's wings can do a lot of work i think gold vein pick as well you know if you open a pool that has two or three gold vein picks and you've got a good curve and you're playing aggro don't be afraid to build the gold vein pick aggro deck yeah, I agree. But I think creature count, which is a point I have a little lower down here in, in our show notes, creature count is really important to think about. And also don't be thinking about gold vein pick as fixing in your control decks, because those control decks are not like when you think about gold vein pick as fixing, you have to be thinking about connecting with a creature in combat and how often is that happening in your low creature count decks. And it's just not going to happen that much. So just be aware of your creature count. For things like Raise the Draugr, if you have vehicles, if you have combat tricks, equipment that doesn't make creatures way down, like there's a lot of cards that want you to have high creature counts that may look appealing, but you really need to think about the composition of your deck and how it's going to play out. In addition to uncommons, you know, speaking of uncommons that get better, the uncommon spell lands, we already talked about it, but we only touched on it briefly. If you 
get one of the pools that has the multicolored fixing, you just jam every uncommon spell land you get in your deck, I think. And they're very, very, very good. And especially the ones like Litjara Mirror Lake that yeah. get you a creature or the blue-white one that draw you two cards. But I think if you can support the uncommon spell lands with your mana base without stretching your mana, you should make an effort to put them in your deck. I agree. I think, I mean, especially... If they're your base colors, like if you're pl- playing the 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 Bredegard Stronghold, that's the green white one. But white is like just a light splash. But your base green, then it doesn't hurt that much to play a green tap land that maybe eventually late in the game, once you've assembled your glittering frost and gotten your snow tap duel, it's like oh now I have two white sources and I can use this. Um, when when it's the base color is off color, that's when you want to be a little more cautious of including it in your deck. I think I agree. Um, there are a lot. A lot of Wraths running around, Ben. Don't overcommit to the board. And I think this is a huge edge to be gained, especially if you're playing in best of one. Like, I think just really having cards like Doomscar and Turgid Shadow and Blood on the Snow. Blood on the Snow a little less because it's six mana. But those things that can be fired off early, you really want to think about like if your opponent is playing weird or just like foretelling, foretelling. Like maybe you don't need to play that third creature into Doomscar or whatever. Like think about how much you need to commit to the board versus how far ahead on board you are. Like there's a lot of edges to be gained if you can think about those rats. I think even something about in deck construction as well. You know, if you're playing against a wrath and you have a deck that, you know, has the ability to play without committing a lot of threats to the board, you know, worth thinking about trying to side into that deck maybe versus your aggro deck that is just going to fold as soon as your opponent casts Doomscar or whatever. Yeah, we talked about this just briefly, but again, mana count I think can be varied, but as we've said for the multicolor draft decks, I would not be shy about 18 lands even if you have other cards that are... Uh, mana sources as well. I, I get a general sense from uh, Twitch chat and their suggestions about cutting lands that people are interested in going lower on lands than I am on average. And I think you should not be shy about running a lot of mana sources in sealed. Well, especially if you've got one or two spell lands. And I think most sealed pools will have that. Also, you know, we've talked a lot about building this multicolored splash deck. So maybe just a quick review on numbers of sources that you want. If you're mm-hmm. splashing one card of a splash color you need three sources and so that could be as simple as you know if you're splashing a red card you have one mountain you have path of the world tree to search up that mountain and you have a glittering frost like that would be your three sources and you can even get greedy with you know treasures or a horizon seeker that's not necessarily the most consistent but anything that's going to produce mana of that color whether it's a one shot or multiple can theoretically be counted as a source. Once you're splashing two cards, so let's say you want to put two red cards in your blue red, your blue green deck, you need four sources. Three cards, you want five sources. And even when you're in the three cards, five sources territory, you're you're dangerously close to not splashing anymore. Yeah, for sure. Just really be building responsible mana bases, thinking about the base two colors and then thinking about that splash scale and thinking about stuff that is worth splashing it, whether it's just raw power or it's shoring up a hole in your deck or it's enabling, you know, multiple things like, well, if I play black now that enables this removal splash and also enables the potential to pop this spell land, like those, those sorts of things add up as well. Right. And I think, you know, someone tweeted at me or both of us, I don't remember, but whether or not they should play coma in their sealed build, like, and 
and they had a couple ways to turn it on that were clunky, but, you know, like Savella is eventually going to get there. Replicating ring is eventually going to get there. And they had, I think, one glittering frost or something. You're you're stretching for cards of that power level, and you can even break those splash rules, I think, depending on the power level of the card that you're trying to cast. Right. I mean, yeah, if you're green-blue and you open a Kaya, like, Kaya should be in your deck 100% of the time. Coma, even if it's a stretch as a double splash as a seven drop, like, that card should not be on the sidelines of any base blue or green deck. Yeah, a couple uh, wombo combos here you want to look out for in Sealed. What's going on? Yeah, so these are some wombo combos that I've just encountered, you know, through playing games of Sealed. Master Skull is the first one that comes to mind. This goes way up in value from draft. The 4-4 body is just a great stat line. And if you're rebuying anything, it feels very good. If you're rebuying, you know, something powerful like the green-black saga or the green-white saga that's a removal spell, it's borderline busted. And then, you know, I've also run into situations where... You know, maybe I've blown up my opponent's ruined crown with a broken wings, you know, thinking dealt with their ruined crown. And then they master scald back the ruined crown, cast the ruined crown, get the rune out of their graveyard. And I'm back in the same spot I was, except they have a four four and they drew a card off their rune again. You know? <laughs> yeah. Did you see uh, did you see my post on Twitter about assembling gifts ungiven on burial rights and limited? I did. That was nuts. So I, I cast the, the mythic demon that lets you pull two cards out of your library and then your opponent picks one to go into your hand and the other goes in your graveyard. And the two cards I found were Master Scald and Cardor's Vicious Return. So either they give me return and then I get back Master Scald to assemble that wombo combo or they give me Scald and I just rebuy the saga right away and play it. Like that felt insane. Master Scald is wildly good. Yeah. And you can even go really deep in Abzan colors. You know, maybe you're getting Raise the Draugr back on your Master Scald. There's, there's a lot of sweet stuff you can do with master scald in the format yeah a lot of a lot of nice loop-de-loops there um you're, you're like in black rune and equipment and first strike on blocks love that yeah it's really really powerful on defense or also you know the black rune on hoggy mob or you know black rune on the equipment on the hoggy mob that's worth i think looking out for in your sealed pool and worth playing if you get there and then a really sweet one from uh, lords of limited discord credit to flying um, from our lords of limited discord we were talking about sealed pools and uh, they suggested a Litjara Mirror Lake, which is the blue tap land that can sacrifice to make a copy of a creature, plus Shepherd of the Cosmos, uh, which is the 3-3 that when it ETBs, you can return a permanent CMC 2 or less. So you can loop Shepherd of the Cosmos and Litjara Mirror Lake to get infinite 3-3 flyers over the course of multiple turns. They're 4-4 flyers actually, right? Because Mirror Lake puts a counter on that creature. Oh, excuse me. 4-4 flyers, even better. Yeah, yeah. A 3-3 flyer I wasn't sold on, but 4-4, now that I can get behind. <laughs> yeah, those are sweet. They're, those little those little pockets of synergy, right? Because Ben has been alluded to earlier. He said, like, your sealed decks aren't going to have these, like, big synergistic things. You're not going to get a blue-red Giants deck unless you're a Maz, who I faced the other day with just, like, a pre-con <laughs> Giants deck in sealed. It was ridiculous. Um, but most of the time, you're not going to have those sort of streamlined decks. Um, so you want to look out for those little pockets of synergy that you can assemble, like oof, Mirror Lake plus Shepherd. And, you know, we've been talking a lot about, you know, building aggro or building multicolor. Worth noting that, like, if you get an insane two-color deck that looks like a draft deck, it's going to be a good sealed deck, and you should play it. Yeah, I just don't, I mean, at least in my experience, I've done a, about a dozen sealeds. I have not found that deck. Like, if I have a streamlined two-color deck, it's aggressive is what I've found so far. I have had elves once, which was pretty sweet. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah. All right, so that takes us to some individual cards that just get a lot better in seal and just talk about them and why. Mm -hmm. So Frostpeak Yeti, I think, is first on the list, the 3-3 three, three that can become unblockable with one in a snow activated ability. It's way, 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 way better 
in sealed because it's a real threat. It's a card that has to be dealt with. The games frequently go long. You know, you're going to have enough mana to activate the ability. I think it just demands an answer and you should be, I think, not necessarily, it's not a pull to blue or anything, but if you're playing blue and you're playing snow, I think you should be looking to include Frostbeak Yeti. Right. And I think those things like chain reaction, like, you know, if I'm playing blue, it's probably because I've got the snow to support the reasons to play blue and then I can enable my Yeti as well. Broken Wings and Invoke the Divine we've talked about already. I mean, everyone should just be playing a lot of their equipment, right? Like we've talked about how good the the living weapon equipment is, even playing Raven Wings or Gold Vein Pick or Tormentor's Helm, whatever, um, enchantment-based removal like Bound in Gold. You're just going to find targets for this in Sealed. Right. And, you know, I don't know that we hammered the point home, but for me, I don't know how you feel about it, but like Draugr's Helm is a reason to play black. Like I'm looking to play black in Sealed if I have a Draugr's Helm or if yeah. I have a Dwarven Hammer, I want to play red. Like those are borderline bomb status to me in sealed mm-hmm. well and the it's so interesting it feels almost random like the black one is black black but hammer is single red right if you want to kick it and attach a dwarf to it and so like it's weird because like hammer feels splashable whereas helm doesn't but anyway that that just like a, a, an interesting little design thing there but yeah hammer is just ridiculous yeah next up sarulf's packmate is on this list <laughs> ethan was like how do you know this is better in in sealed than it is in draft and my my answer was my despair level when my opponent casts rules back made in sealed it's so backbreaking it's so good and you really really want a couple of these in your sealed pool yeah similarly behold the multiverse really really good just that raw two for one i mean even two for one plus because of the scry two yeah and we've talked about a couple of these already raise the draugr horizon seeker Mast Vandal is up next, baby. One in a green, one three changeling. And when you cast it, you can exile a creature from your graveyard to exile target artifact or enchantment. I know I was hot and bothered by this card in draft. It's everything you want in sealed also because it's defensive speed against the aggro decks. Right. And it's also super relevant against the control decks. You should be playing every single copy of this card that you have if you're base green. Amen. Uh, we talked about Master Scald. We talked about Shepherd of the Cosmos being sweet as another two for one. I've splashed Shepherd of the Cosmos as well in, in my decks as a wombo combo with uh, Priest of the Haunted Edge, um, just because the foretell cost is single white on Shepherd, and so it is is a nice splashable card. Yep, I think that is one of the most frequent white splashes. I've been really impressed by anything with flying as well. You know, it's felt like, you know, you can... I know we say it all the time, yeah. flying's been limited, shocker, but it really does hold up i think in call time sealed you know augury raven i think is a good bit better in sealed than it is in draft Mm -hmm. i agree with that uh disdainful stroke i mean you know the powerful stuff in this format costs four mana or more and this is a nice uh nice cheap interactive spell for sure right so disdainful stroke i don't think is quite good enough to pull you into blue it's borderline i think good enough to think about splashing if you have good mana to support it and i think if you're playing blue you should be playing every copy of Disdainful Stroke that you have. Wow, okay. All right, I was thinking like, all right, well, how many do you play? Like, I would say you definitely want the first copy if you're base blue, but you're just saying don't leave any on the sidelines. I don't think so. I guess if you're sideboarding maybe, but sure, it's really only dead against the aggro decks and it's really good. You know, even something as simple as you have it up and you counter your opponent's rules pack mate that they're trying to cast on turn three. There just are always targets for it. Mm-hmm. Uh, we talked about Turgrid Shadow already, the uh, three black black foretell, two black black instant. Each player sacrifices two creatures. It's just absolutely insane. A huge pull into black, very strong and sealed. Finn the Fang Bear is up next. One in a green, one three death touch. And whenever a creature you control with death touch deals damage to an opponent, they get two poison counters. If they get 10, they lose the game. This has been a gigantic problem <laughs> for me in sealed. And I think it's just a great card, right? Because... You know, it's a brick wall against the aggro decks. And then 
similarly against the control decks, your two drops relevant, right? It's pressuring them because they're getting poison counters and eventually they're going to have to trade some relevant card for it. It's just good on all ends of the spectrum. I think it's it's very good in sealed. Similar to like Frost Peak Yeti or something like Yara Glade Warden. This is the four mana, three, three changeling. You pay two in a green tap exile a creature from your graveyard to put two plus one plus one counters on a creature you control at sorcery speed. This feels again like all of these like, you know, two for one E accrue value cards. They just get better and sealed. And this feels like a must deal with threat when you see it on the other side of the battlefield. Rootless U is next. Also three GG for the five four. This card is terrifying and sealed. And the fact that it's a little slower, I think, you know, is mitigated by the fact that you're playing sealed. And when your opponent casts this and you're you're wondering, like, can I afford to trade with it? Are they going to go find coma? You know, are they going to go find yeah. burning rune demon? Like there's just a lot more possibilities for bad things. I think that your opponent can get off of a rootless you. Well, and the other thing is when I see it in my sealed pool and I'm base green, I'm actively looking for something to find. Like if I don't get any lindworms in my deck that i'm like all right well maybe i splash this dread knight in black or maybe i splash this three six vigilance in white you know like i want to be able to get that two for one and it's not that difficult if i have the mana fixing to support it lastly snakeskin veil here just be aware if you're playing best of three i think this card can do some serious work out of the sideboard you know if your opponent's got a lot of demon bolts a lot of stuff of that nature you know some feed the serpent that sort of thing and you want creatures and you have creatures that need protecting can do some serious work coming out of the board. Yeah. All right. So we're going to do something pretty cool here for the last little stretch of the episode. We're going to do a sealed pool build exercise on the podcast. And we recognize that most folks will probably just listen along here, but we will include a 17 lands link in uh, the place where you download the show. And at the bottom of that link, you can export the list as a text file and then pop it into either MTGO or Arena, and you could pause the episode right now and see what you would do and try and build a deck out of this pool, and then we'll talk through the thought process that I had when I faced this pool, and you can see where we lined up or if you built something different. I think it's an interesting thing that we get to do now that that text file exists. But here we're going to dive in, Ben, and go through our, our steps of building the sealed pool. Yeah, so step one, what rares did we open? First up, we've got Redain, God of the Worthy, and Valkmira Protector's Shield. That's the 2-3 flyer um, that messes with your opponent's snow lands and makes their expensive spells cost more. And then the shield on the other side that prevents one damage to you and creatures you control or makes your opponent's spells, they have to pay one when they target your stuff. Got another god here, Turgrid, God of Fright, the three black, black, four, five menace. On the other side, you're almost always playing this as the lantern if you can. Uh, the three and a black artifact tap target player loses three life unless they sack a non-land permanent or discard a card. You can pay three and a black to untap it. This is a, a house in sealed. I cast Turgrid because I had Turgrid Shadow in a sealed pool. That is Whoa. a spicy combo. So you get the two creatures that your opponent sacrifices if you land that. I cast Turgrid when my opponent's Saga was about to pop off because you sacrifice Sagas and then I get it back on my side of the battlefield. Nice, nice. Yeah, there's a lot going on with Turgrid. Uh, next up, we've got Arnie Brokenbow. That's the two and a red three, three that you can pay one to have it uh, get power equal to one plus the greatest power on the battlefield. Yeah, only until end of turn. I thought I thought it was permanent. That card is a stinker. Uh, Realm Walker, two and a green, two, three, shapeshifter, changeling. Enters the battlefield, you choose a creature type, and you can uh, look at the top card of your library anytime and cast creature spells of the chosen type from the top of your library. Yeah, not great and sealed unless you've got a lot of changelings running around. Yeah. Blood Sky Masker, that's the black-red saga that makes a two, three berserker, and then when demon berserkers attack, you draw a card and lose a life. 
I have no idea what the third chapter does. <laughs> you just add red for each berserker you have and that you don't lose that mana as steps and phases end. Ah, okay. And our last rare is Henjigit Pathway, which is the blue-white uh, rare flip land. So white god, black god, hasty red creature, green changeling, black red saga, and blue-white land. Kind of a, a mishmash of stuff, right? Nothing that goes like, ooh, we've got some overlap here. Going to hope that our colors support that, right? We just got like, you know, the gods are very good and beyond that nothing exciting. Right. So that's my thought when looking at those rares is I definitely want to play Turgrid if at all possible and would be hoping to play Redain as well. Right. Yeah, I, I agree, especially because I mean, when you play Redain, you're hoping to play the flip side, I think Belkmere Protector Shield. It just like hoses some strategies and also is still just very good. It just tr- trips people up a lot. Like when you face this card, you want to make sure you have like auto assign damage off so that you can deal excess damage to stuff i've had many people like attack into my attack their three power thing into my one one and my two two and they try and deal one and two and then neither of my things die and their creature dies you know right so the next up we want to look at our fixing and we actually have a a, a good bit so we've got four snow duels black red black white blue green and red green we've got the blue white rare land that we talked about and we got a Shimmer Drift Veil. So that's a lot of good lands there. Right. So that's the jackpot as far as lands go in your sealed pools. Uh, there's two Jasper Sentinels, which I think you're generally hoping to not play in, except in case of emergency in sealed. Uh, we've got a Glittering Frost, right? So we didn't get much in the, in the way of green fixing, but one Glittering Frost can go a long way. One Glittering Frost does go a long way. And then there's also a Seize the Spoils, you know, to filter and make a treasure token. So again, you know, maybe if you're base red green, you can use that, you know, for fixing. One more note a bit about Seize the Spoils real quick. I think if you have those filtering type effects, you can also afford, I think, to be a little greedier with your splashes because you could always, worst case scenario, splash the card you can't cast to your Seize the Spoils. Right, yeah, you can just pitch that for sure. That's that's a good, a good point there as well. So we've looked at our, our quote-unquote bombs and our rares. We've looked at our fixing. Let's check out the removal suite that we have in each color. In white, we've got Bound in Gold and Invoke the Divine. In blue, we have Icebind Pillar, and we do have some Snowlands to support that, and Raven Form, but like we said, I think we're hoping to not play Raven Form main deck in Sealed. In black, we've got a Poison the Cup and Priest of the Haunted Edge. Poison the Cup, I think, is another card you're hoping makes it into your deck no matter what. Right, and it's quite splashable, remember, because the Fortel cost is single black. Demon Bolt and Provoke the Trolls in red. Demon Bolt, I'm excited about. Provoke the Trolls, not so much. So right now, just based on what we've talked about so far, I'm sort of brewing up almost a Grixis snow deck in my head because mm. you know, we've got some of those those snow duels that are Grixis colored. We've got you know some, some black red cards we're definitely incentivized to play that would let us play the black red saga. Maybe we splash an Icebind Pillar. That's just tentatively where I'm at right now. Nice, nice, nice. Good to get that check in. Uh, in green, we've got three times Broken Wings. And I think, you know, I'd be happy playing the first for sure. Maybe the second would probably not main deck three of them. Right. And then lastly, looking at our gold cards, we do have a Binding the Old Gods, um, the Black Green Saga. Okay. And so seeing that there and knowing we have the Glittering Frost, I think my ears are perking up and I'm thinking we're some sort of base green multicolored deck at this point that is probably not playing white or maybe we're playing Redain only from white. And so if you look at the pool in general in terms of color depth, most of the cards are in green and white, though most of white cards are bad, which is kind of a theme for sealed or that they're like aggressively slanted and and there's nothing really to pair with that. But also white can sort of have that, you know, split personality thing where it's like half the cards are defensive, half are aggressive here in sealed and that dilutes both game plans. Um, But green 
gives us a lot. It gives us, we have two elven bows. That's the the aforementioned uh, living weapon equipment. And bows, I think, are really good and sealed. We also have two rune of might. That's the green rune that gives plus one, plus one, and trample. So slapping a rune on a bow is really nice. And we have three ice hide trolls. And we talked about Frost Peak Yeti just being like a way to win at common in these snow decks. And trolls are absolutely that as well. Right. And we have those four snow duels and we have the glittering frost turn another land into a snow land so looking like base green multicolored is rife with opportunity here Mm -hmm. black is giving us not a lot we have the poison the cup we have priest of the haunted edge and uh Turgrid as our, our rare god and past that it's just pretty shallow in terms of the amount of cards we even have to work with you can see it's that we have the least amount of black cards in the pool altogether and then in blue we've got two bergstriders which again are splash worthy i think in sealed assuming you have the fixing to support it like i would not be going out of my way to try to splash them but if i've got you know the cards like glittering frost and i've got the duels sure i'll play some bergstriders and then icebind pillar is a card that i would go way 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 out of my way to try to play and splash. Yeah, absolutely. So with, with all of that in mind, we can see if you if you click on that link, um, you can see if, if you look at deck there and go beyond the pool, you can see the deck that I built, the final build. When I decided, as you said, for, for heavy green and actually went with, you know, we're really just green splashing everything, but green black is the base that I decided on. Um, so like I said, black is shallow, but it does give me Turgrid, Binding the Old Gods, Poison the Cup, Priest of the Haunted Edge, I'm, I am playing because I have uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. I'm playing all seven of my snow lands plus glittering frost. So I think priest is actually quite good here. And elder fang disciple is another good, just like speed bump two for one, two drop. Yeah. And worth noting, I'm just looking at the pool right now. There are no uncommon lands in this pool. Yeah, I didn't get any spell lands, but I, I would have been able to play probably any that I, f- I found. Like my fixing is not that bad, especially because um, Binding the Old Gods gets to search up. I have Highland Forest and Rhymewood Falls, so I have a red, green, and a green, blue land that Binding can find. So Binding is a little bit of fixing as well. And then in terms of the splashes, a bit of an aggressive blue splash here in Icebind Pillar and two Bergstriders. But again, we're playing all seven Snowlands plus... The Glittering Frost plus Binding can find up two Snowlands. So I felt like we could enable the snow on all those cards pretty reliably. Yeah, I think that seems super reasonable to me. Yeah, and then uh, a little red splash with Demon Bolt and Basalt Ravager and a little white splash for Redain. So, you know, go in the full five colors here, Ben. So let me ask you this. I was just looking in the pool to see if you had a Master Scald, which you do not. Yeah. If you had a Master Scald in this pool, would you be interested in splashing it in this deck? A hundred percent, right? Because not like the dream is to get back binding, but if they happen to blow up pillar, I can get that back. If they happen to deal with my elven bows, I can get that back. If I throw a rune of might on a creature when I don't have the bows in play and that creature dies, I can get that back. I think I think uh, playing uh, Master Scald would be a no brainer there for me. Right. That's that's where I'm at as well. And so I think, you know, the more you get into these sealed pools and the more you start to experiment and, and do these builds. Assuming you get a pool like this that can support the splashing, the decks start to look a bit homogenous, I think. Yes, right. It's just base green, probably, I mean, blue, red, or black is your second color, depending on what you're given. 
and then just playing your best cards as much as your mana can support it. And then the, the, the other end of that spectrum is if you don't have that or you don't have your those quote unquote best cards, just what's the cheesiest streamlined deck you can build that's going to go under those decks? Because once I get to a, a point in the game, once I have my snow mana up for my ice hide trolls or I'm, you know, nugging you every turn with my Turgrid's Lantern, like at a certain point, the mid range decks can't compete or the aggro decks can't compete. Right. And so I'm just looking at this deck right now, you know, the this deck that we've laid out here for you all. I think almost every card in here is at least B minus level. There are some C pluses floating around, but I think in these multicolored builds, you really want every card to stand on its own. And you're just trying to like jam as many highly graded cards in your deck as possible and still have some defensive speed. Right. Yeah. That's the one problem with this deck is like I've got three two drops. And that's it. And so defensive speed wise, it's not great. Like I would have liked a little bit more. Like if I had another priest, I would play it. If I had, you know, obviously if I had a pack mate or something to foretell on to whatever, like I, I would love that sort of stuff, but I just didn't get there. You've got a bunch of three mana two threes though, which does go a long way as well. Mm-hmm. You know, the triple ice hide troll and the double elven bow all, all being reliably castable because you're so heavy green. Right. And uh, of note here, like we've got a, a, a few cantrips, we've got a glittering frost, and I'm still playing 18 lands here. And that's largely off the back of just needing enough sources. So hopefully that was uh, somewhat easy to follow along with. And I'm curious to see if you built a, a different deck, you should throw that at us on Twitter. I'd love to see what other people built out of this pool. Yeah, for sure. Uh, any parting advice here for people as we head into the arena open? I mean, have fun. Please play it. I, I mean, if you are part of the arena economy, I think playing in the sealed event is really important as like v- voting with your dollars, like letting Watsy know that a limited arena open is something people want and we want more competitive limited events. So that's that's one thing I would say. And I, I really liked your idea of if you're going to be playing best of three and if you make day two, everyone's going to be playing best of three. You should practice doing the multiple build thing at some point before day two in the open. You're right. And even if you're second build is not good just gaining the experience of doing the sideboarding when it's not of critical importance that you nail it is a valuable valuable experience right i was playing in one of the best of three ones i did the other day i was playing against an opponent who was just like three two dot deck and i hadn't built a second deck but i knew i sort of had a red black deck in the side and i had two frostbites and two crush the week the like mini sweeper the deal two to everything and so I just like had to rapidly sideboard into that deck because I was like, these Frostbites and these Crush Leaks are going to be insane against this opponent if I can build a deck that supports that. But I only had two and a half minutes because I didn't do my homework previously. So like Ben said, even if you don't think it's a very good deck or whatever, like building multiple decks or just knowing what your options are post board against different decks is really important with your pool. Right. And if you don't have unlimited time and you're trying to practice for the event, you're interested in it, you want to try to do well, you know, rather than just posting your sealed pool to Twitter or something and saying, you know, hey, what's the build or whatever, try to build two decks. You know, I, I've had a difficult pool to build and I built two different decks. One was like a four color controlling deck. One was a more streamlined blue red deck and just put it out in Twitter and posted the two screenshots and said, hey, which do you think is better? And got a lot of thoughtful responses. And I played with both decks, but I, I learned a lot too from just seeing people's responses and you know engaging in discussion about Sealed, whether it's in our Discord, on Twitter, uh, wherever. Yeah, for sure. All right. Great place to wrap us up. Go forth. Good luck in the arena open and be aware as well that top 1200 Mythic is going to qualify you for an MIQ that is sealed as well. So lots of sweet stuff happening. Thank you as always to Salty Pretzels for our intro and outro music. Make sure you give it a listen.
Thank you so much to ChannelFireball.com for sponsoring this podcast. If you're heading over to Channel Fireball for any and all purchases, please use the code LOL when you check out to let them know we sent you there. Uh, you can check us out streaming. Once Ben's internet is back, he'll be back. Twitch.tv slash Mr. Metronome for him. Twitch.tv slash Lord Tupperware for me. We're both on Twitter under those same usernames. And you can tweet at the podcast at Lords of Limited. If you've got any feedback about the show or any questions, shoot us an email at LordsOfLimited at gmail.com. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll catch you next week. Ooh, Ben, when are we going to record on Sunday if we're both playing day two of the Open? Ooh, tough beats. Tough beats. Yeah, we'll, we'll have to have to see what's going to go on there. But we will be back next week with a full report and more Sweet Called Heim action. We'll catch you there. Thanks, everybody. See you later. Sorry, I got distracted. There are like people in the building. My students are here. (laughs) I'm being invaded. Why are my students here on a Sunday? They're like doing something. They're in the choir room. They must be doing something for the musical. Anyway. (laughs) Being invaded.